Welcome to Functional Design Enclosure. I'm Christoph Newman. And I'm Nate Jones. Each week, we discuss a software design problem and how we might solve it using functional principles and the Clojure programming language. So, Nate, what are we talking about this week? Ah, oh, well, Christoph, um, I think we're in the, the series that we're in is about uh, is about um, about Twitter, about posting to Twitter. But uh, I take a, I'd like to take a moment uh, to reflect. Um, on the fact that we've now reached six months of of podcast episodes, you know, this, yeah, this is episode yeah. twenty seven. So we're we're starting our second half year. Um, so like a like a kid, you know, we're talking in half years, not full years. Um, but right. I think it's it's been it's been quite a journey. Um, yeah, yeah, it has. It, it certainly has been a lot of fun. Uh, it was fun to get this thing started and and see where it would go. And I was pretty sure back when we started that we were going to quickly run out of things to talk about. And uh, we haven't yet. So, so that's good news. Good news for the future. Yes, true. Yeah, there, there'll always be things you can talk about in software because there's always new problems. Or new ways of solving old problems, I guess. Um, speaking of new ways of solving old problems, <laughs> um, I think this has been a really good, a really good series. Um, for us, it was kind of an experiment to see if we could talk about, you know, just one part of an application. You know, we didn't talk about the UI or the database or, or anything else. We just talked about one component, pun intended, of, of, of this application, this, this thing that's going to post to Twitter for us. And, um, and I, think, I think it's been quite a good series. What do you think, Christoph? Yeah, it's been fun. It's a little different than what we did before where we just uh, tried to create minimalist, complete applications and really focus more on a part of the system like you're saying. And uh, that's, that's, it's been neat. It allowed us to explore a lot of different topics around you know, integrating and, and seeing, like knowing, knowing if you have done something in another system and, and IO and side effects and faking and all that. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I that that came to my mind first when we were talking about we're thinking about doing this retrospective episode was the fact that um, uh, I mean, Rich coined the term "situated programs," and and this is very much a situated program. You know, uh, it's it's something that is not is not academic. It's, the point is to affect the world around it, and it's also affected by the world around it. It 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 has to. You know, it, we we talked about you know every every minute or something it'd wake up and it would look it would see if it needs to post, but in the meantime, the world has has shifted to a new a, a new place in the state continuum you know of the universe, and and so the application had to be able to understand uh, where where it was in that world and what had changed so that it knew what its next action was, so it wasn't just a simple like my next step is X and I just will keep doing that. You know, it was very much had to had to had to pull the world around it. It was very situated. Yeah, definitely. So it's it's been a uh, it's been fun to have this series, and and kind of get into the weeds. So in this episode, I our plan is to take a look at what we've learned over the last episodes while we've been kind of exploring this interesting 
Twitter problem, which is a situated problem. And so then that's, that's brought out a variety of different things. So in this episode, this will be another one of our summary episodes like we did before in our data dessert episode, where we try to revisit kind of what are the favorite things that we learned as we, as we are going through them. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think the, one of the, one of the, so in addition to it being, you know, somewhat of a situated app, um, another one of the things that I, that I thought was a good strategy that we kind of uncovered, uh, it wasn't really related necessarily to uh, closure, but it was talking through, um, the actual design before we started the implementation. Um, there's a lot of times that in the past that I've, you know, you just go, oh, well, what's the first step? And just start implementing the first step. And then, well, what's the second step? And so you can really quickly end up with a, that, that tree of nested side effects. Um, but, but by talking through the design, the algorithm, before we went into the implementation, we were able to see that there was, you know, two halves to the algorithm. There was the side that was interacting with the world, the doing the side effects, and there was a side that was deciding what to do. And so we could, we, by, by trying to, by designing ahead of time, we were able to, to kind of take a step back and then, and, and come to the design for, uh, a little more rigorous, you know? So you felt that by, by focusing on the algorithm before we really got into the nitty gritty of the implementation, then we we were really starting the implementation on good footing. Yeah, definitely. By pulling yourself back from the code, you can really think about the what parts of the algorithm can be pure and what parts can't, and 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 really be able to separate those in your mind. So I think that was really the the learn there. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Another another thing that jumped out at me when uh, when we were talking about data is there's there's these two kinds of data that that kept coming up over and over again, especially in the early episodes. One was like the data that you're using for your logic. And then the other was just like this idea of the action log, like like just capturing reams and reams of data about like, what did we send Twitter? What did Twitter send back? What action did the user take, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so- right. So it seems like if I'm reflecting on it, really there's like two kinds of data. There's like your operating data, your operational data, the stuff you do your logic on. And then I'll call it your forensic data, the data that helps you tell a story (laughs) after the fact (laughs) when something terrible has happened, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You want want a lot of stuff in the, in the, uh, in the box for, you know, I'm imagining like a, a police, like a, a case where you're trying to solve a murder mystery, you know, you want you want a lot of information there, but you want the the police report, the the thing on the top, to be concise, you know, to be just what you what you need, you know. Yeah, like like for operating, you want to for for your logic, I should say, in order to ensure accuracy, correctness, like you want to be aggressively minimal. So when you when we reached out to Twitter, we would cherry pick out like just the stuff we needed, like because there's always this temptation of oh well that could be useful and that could be useful and that could be useful, and so we cherry pick out just what we needed to get our logic done and be aggressively minimal, and all that other stuff it could be useful. You're right. So just write down everything, but write it over in the forensic files, if you will. <laughs> And then you can look at it later if something goes wrong, but don't don't do logic on that, right? Otherwise, you get this tight coupling with a big big rat's nest of data. And right. so, 
so having both of those date like sets of data, like for me, it was kind of an aha moment in the episode. Yeah, and I think I think if you, that's a, that's a really good point. I think, and also like so, I I very much echo the uh, temptation to be like, oh well, I could also throw that in. I'll throw that in. Why why not? You know, it, it's interesting information, but if my if our logic doesn't need it, um, it's actually distracting, uh, and you can always add it later when the time comes for for future responses. Um, and then also, right, I was it's always about, hard to get rid of stuff. Like once once you've sort of married your code to things. Like, you're like, oh, uh, we pick out this field from Twitter. Where do we use it? You actually have to go look at all the sites this data flows to. It's very difficult to get rid of stuff later. So being aggressively minimal on stuff you do logic is the way to go. <laughs> right. It reminds me of the quote, uh, no is temporary, but yes is forever. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And then I think, I think one, 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 one set further in that is if you actually want to operate on your forensic data, like if you're trying to figure something out, you should take the same approach. You know, you should take that data and, and aggressively minimize it down to the, just the information that you need from that to answer the question you need uh, for any logic that you have. So even forensic data can be the source that you want to winnow down. I think it's interesting. Right, and then code that's sifting through the forensic data, it, it uses the same strategy of, of cherry-picking the important bits into a data structure. You spec it or schema it, and then, and then you, yeah, that's the code that you uh, can, can preserve for the future. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Um, yeah, so one of the, one of the other um, kind of structural realizations I think that was really good to, to come out of this um, was when we were talking about how, how the application is broken down in different components. Um, we had a component that was, you know, the poster, the poster child. And, yes. and, and then we were like, what, what, do, what do you need to do? What, like what, what, how does that need to interact with the outside world? Um, and so there was, you know, the, the, two, the two big ways were with the database or with um, Twitter. And so those were the 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 um, the the realms of mutability that we needed to deal with. And so what we, what we did is we we took those and made those separate components and mixed them into the the poster um, at application assembly time. Um, and it really meant that we had a lot more flexibility um, in the future. Uh, I mean, specifically with the the faking at the end, where we could actually swap out the Twitter handle, um, and 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 have the application operate the same. Um, but just that that whole uh, taking your 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 application into uh, a part and and being able to assemble it in different ways, I think, was a really good uh, takeaway. Yeah, just really identifying and capturing what the the each of the components were which we did back to your previous point which we did kind of early on we had a sense of that and then and then the idea is this component that reaches out into the world uh out into twitter now because that component is injected into the other components that need it it gives us that opportunity to switch it out and and put put a fake component like a faker there instead and and get all those benefits of faking that we that we talked about you know just faster development being able to try out different edge cases um being able to work offline 
being able to just run the code right out of the repo and, and all that. And if, if, we, if we didn't have the component strategy, then it, it's harder to do that. Yeah, the component would be more monolithic. Uh, you know, it would it wouldn't it'd be much harder to switch out those different parts, and um, and would seriously hamper our our flexibility. And like you said, like the the ability to fake. But you know, the 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 faking. You know, it's not it's not it's we we talked one of the things we talked about was that you know faking is not for um, not for testing code. It's for developer productivity. And so by structuring the application this way with the faker, we were able to get, you know, high, th- high speed of development on the other things that were not the Twitter component. Right. Right. And, and we didn't really get into this, but the database handle, we could also have faked too and, and had operations. So that way we can read and write from just a little in-memory thing. So we don't actually have to spin up an actual database once again when we're developing. We could, we could, we can have little backdoors into that fake database to have it reset data to various useful, <laughs> useful, annoying edge cases, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. So, Sometimes so, it's very so useful same, if you're same applic- idea. Right. Sometimes it's very useful if your application is annoying. If it's annoying in predictable ways, it's it's uh, it's useful. Yes, definitely. Definitely. It's, it's going to be annoying in the wild, so you might as well get used to it being annoying in development. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, a, another big theme that came up really was around side effects, dealing with side effects. We had this TikTok yeah. of, I, I do an operation that's going to have a side effect because it's going to go read data or it's going to go fetch data or it's going to go set something. And then it's going to give me some kind of response, and now I need to know what to do, right? And so, so you, you do a side effect, you need to do some logic. You do a side effect, you need to do some logic. But those side effects, you know, they can show up. Uh, they really affect your ability to, to, to kind of test and, and sequence things out. Um, and mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. so just in general, like, we got to... We, we were talking about um, trying to really identify, like, like minimize the code that did the side effect and, and then push all the other logic into pure functions and, 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 and the benefits of that, you know. Yeah, really, really being able to pull that, pull that logic out. Um, I, think, I think one of the things that, comes to mind when we talk about the way that this this the, the application this application's log- logic was structured is that you know we, we talk about pushing side effects to the edges a lot of times and um, and we, we, we do want to do that but there are times where you have you know I need to you have a little bit of a little bit of side effects you know you're reading some data and then you have a lot of pure code where you're doing a lot of big transforms to that or you know so it's really easy to spot and have the have the the side effect code be on the edge. But in our case, it was basically the side effects were 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 deeply married to into the algorithm. There was, it, like you said, it was side effect logic, side effect logic, side effect logic, and so it was very hard to push that stuff to the edge and get it all done at once because you didn't know what kind of side effect you needed to do because you weren't at step four in the in the in the process. You know, I don't know if I need to reach out to Twitter uh, if I have nothing to, to to look at the timeline if I don't have any put tweets to post. Like 
you you can't do all the all the all the IO like all four levels of IO right up front and then do all the logic. You know, you're either wasting IO or you're doing the wrong stuff. Um, yeah, and, so this and definitely, back and forth, yeah, right, and definitely IO as a side effect. That that's one we talk about a lot. But there's really there's other side effects that can suck you in without you realizing. And so one of the ones we talked about is time, like oh, getting yeah. the current uh-huh. time. So you can have a function that's totally pure, except it like reaches out to the clock and goes, oh, what time is it right now? And compares against <laughs> now, you know, right. or, or the, one of my personal favorites, which I get sucked into on a regular basis, is knowing that whatever function is calling the function I'm working on has already done some kind of check, some kind of conditional so, so I can just assume that the data is going to meet some criteria that I'm operating on because that thing, you know, higher up in the call stack, like uh, already already checked it for me. But that's really a side effect because Ooh. because now this code is depending on this this umbrella of implicit context, and and then when when we're working in that caller function in isolation and and we change the guard or we change the whatever, you know, now now this function that depends on that assumption might have the assumption broken. And so that creates what I like to think of as side effect dominoes, right? You you have right. you have something that puts something in place. Like there's something done in code that some other bit of code depends on having been done. <laughs> right? And then when you change them, it's like it has this cascading effect because now you have ripped the carpet out from the the code that was assuming this thing had been done. <laughs> Yeah, and it really it really makes your code be highly coupled so that you can't operate on you can't operate on <laughs> you can't edit any single function in isolation and know that it's going to be uh, that the rest of the system is going to be okay. You have to you have to then keep in your mind all of the downstream functions that might be affected by this, which is just right. And and if that domino falls like early on in the sequence. You know, everything after it just keeps marching forward, right? If it if it goes unnoticed, I should say. Like if you if you make a change, mostly it's like as a developer, you come back and you make a change to the logic, to that guard. And then and then you don't realize what the consequences are. And so it kind of reminds me of like the army is marching, you know, toward the valley, and the bridge builders were supposed to build the bridge. But something happened, so the bridge builders didn't get dispatched, but the army doesn't know how to check if the bridge exists, so they just all march off the cliff, right? (laughs) (laughs) Just blindly, it's like, oh, our job, you know, we're little automatons. Our job is to march forward, and and we know the bridge builders will do their thing over there, so we don't need to check. (laughs) And so there's this implicit context, and, and then it leads to these, like, domino effects. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And then having, having like one of the big themes in in this vein vein is being more explicit about our context. So if your context is passed into your function instead of being implicit in the call stack, then you can actually act on it. You even have the chance to act on it. You know, if the if the if the the army uh, commander you know knows about it, but the soldiers don't. You know, they, they don't have the context, but if he passes along the context to them, then they and they can look at their map and go, oh, the bridge isn't there. Oh, they can stop. I mean, you know. Right. Yeah. Military. If the way they if the way they operate is based on explicit instructions, you're you're taking 
like the assumption, the hidden intangible assumption, and you're making explicit. So then it's all about them just doing one thing based on those explicit instructions. So, so now that forces you to actually have to write down all the things that matter for, for doing that thing. Right. Instead of assuming, you know, some other thing has put this thing in place for me. Yeah, definitely. That's and really... so it takes, it takes this hidden dependency and it makes it really visible because it's those hidden relationships, the ones that we have in our brain, those are the ones that like completely burn us you know, the me in six months <laughs> because it's not going to be right. in my brain anymore. I'm probably not even going to remember thinking about it, <laughs> much less knowing anything. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And I, I think another, another place that being explicit came into our discussion was in our, in our talk about um, simplifying the wrapper, the Twitter handle um, down to just one function. So, you know, instead of making it a series of functions that each ha- what does an individual operation, it instead we 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 put that implicit information explicitly into the data that we pass to a single you know uh, invoke function. I think it was, um, and and that really helped us in in a lot of ways. I mean, one of the ways was it helped us with you know reducing the boilerplate in the worker side of the. Um, of the uh, algorithm, you know, it helped us inside, inside the actual handle itself with, you know, writing common code. Like there was a lot of, there's a lot of benefits that, that came from, from aligning all that and making all the context explicit. Yeah, definitely the kind of a really common, especially, you know, a really common uh, way of doing this is you have all these methods that you call and then those methods do a little bit like part of the process. But if you move to this more data-oriented way, you basically, you're fully describing the end goal. And you're saying, okay, component over there, here's, here's a full description of like what the end goal is. Go and do it somehow. Whereas, whereas if you have an API where it's, it's all these bits, like all these little parts that are each a step along the way, then then it's like there's this back and forth and back and forth. So it's like part data, part behavior, you know? And, and then if you, if you need to change the behavior out, well, now that, that becomes a pain because now you have to break the interface. Right. Even though, even though the goal may not have changed, right? So you're breaking the interface. And then, then you do need your strong type checking to help you go find all those places where you call that function. <laughs> I, yeah, it's, it's really it's really an interesting way of of talking about it. Like when you that by being be more data oriented, it's like here is a, a, a an inert uh, um, set of instructions, not instructions, but like you said, end goal. I want this to be to have be to be done, and right. so then it's it's it, there, then there's no there's no um, coupling tight coupling between the 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 user of the API and the API itself, and so it's very easy to maintain backward compatibility. Uh, because it's all right. about the data shape. Right. So if our Twitter component that we created, our Twitter handle that we created, just just takes this high-level instruction, you know, posts this to Twitter, right? And it's it's just a big map of data, and it just sends it over to the handle, like, okay, it accepts commands, and these commands are just big maps of data. 
then it really doesn't matter if we're like crafting our own HTTP calls and just using Java's built-in HTTP client, or if we find some other Twitter handle for closure on the internet. Like we can completely change out the library. We can we we can send post to Twitter via carrier pigeon, <laughs> right? <laughs> and it would it never could get send there. an email to to Nate to post to Twitter. Like the point is, the implementation can change drastically, but then the command, like that goal, doesn't really change at all. And and so so by baking baking in the the behavior the semantics into the API you you end up with this really tight coupling and and moving to a data oriented thing you end up with the loose coupling yeah and loose loose is good because it adds it has the most flexibility yeah cool yeah, anything definitely. else anything else you can think of any other uh threads of of conversation that we've uncovered this has been our longest series so far which is um pretty impressive i think like seven episodes okay yeah it, it it's been a lot of fun and definitely the the whole side effects in io really seemed to play itself out you know we we don't we don't come up with these series necessarily with oh we we have this specific story to tell about side effects in io so now we're going to tell it <laughs> It's like let's go let's go look at this interesting problem and see where it takes us. And I think this one definitely took us to uh interesting, you know, interesting territory and really trying to manage those side effects uh effectively. Yeah, and see where 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 being trying to be functional and where closure where the, those kind of encourage us to go instead of being I mean like we could have done, you know, we could have done a design that is very mutative, very imperative. Um but closure gives us the tools that we can we can we can we can pull those things apart and and make it a very simple thing to to both implement but also when we come to it in, the, in 6 months from now we'll be able to understand it again and be able to change its behavior yeah and so with microservices being all the rage it kind of cracks me up because like you get all that benefit of loose coupling inside your closure application without needing to write, you know, 50 separate microservices. The idea, the idea is your programming language is like so prone to coupling that as programmers, you just have to give, give up and run everything in separate processes. (laughs) I know there's other benefits to microservices, but this, this idea of this loose coupling, (laughs) um, you know, kind of cracks me up because basically what is, what is posting to a microservice? Well, it's taking all the information that's needed, bundling it up as data, shipping it off to, you know, that endpoint that can then do that operation and give you a response back, right? Well, we can do that inside our closure application. I'm not saying you don't like there's don't necessarily not make microservices, but, but that loose coupling that you get you know, is available to us. Yeah, that that is a that is a fa- fantastic. I think that's the best point of the whole series is that, um, you know, closure was microservices before it was cool. You know, um, right? <laughs> no, that's not the point. The point is that um, you can use those same f- facilities inside inside your closure app as people you use it outside, and it's it really gets you that that decoupling. And that's yeah, easier to maintain. Yeah. So at the end of the day, we're, we're all about like programmer effectiveness and really like lack of burnout. You know, 
I think a lot of the stuff we're talking about, our goal, like my goal at least, is to help help you avoid those situations where you're beating your head against a wall, trying to figure out what went wrong. You know, things like context being very plain, right? Having having the forensic data, um, keeping things decoupled. You know, I I know. Yeah. As a programmer, I want to focus more on the problem and less on the debugging. And and all these things have helped me. And that makes that makes every day more enjoyable. Yeah, definitely. I I I, I echo that totally. Um, we really want to help help programmers because you know the, the, one of the reasons why I got into programming was because it was so fun. It was fun to create something that that you know that I, I made the computer do something for me. And and one of the the great benefits of of simple design of, you know, functional enclosure is that it allows you to make things that are fun to create, but also fun to maintain, you know, six months, a year, two years down the road. Um, Cause we've all definitely been in the situation where, you know, the, the longer an application, the, the, the older it gets, the harder it is to work with, you know, the more of a dread it is. So. Yeah. Definitely. And that really is what helped lead us to start this podcast. So here we are at six months in, and it's just fun to be able to share at least our experiences in how functional programming has helped make our day-to-day better and how Clojure has helped helped us get to enjoy the fun of programming and less of the drudgery. Totally. You know what else is a lot of fun, Nate? What's that, Christoph? Hearing from people on Twitter. <laughs> At all, yes. <laughs> at all <laughs> well okay depending on how toxic the comments are maybe it's not fun but we get we have great listeners yes that is and they send us they send us delightful things on twitter so we have not had a toxicity problem yet and um all sorts of delightful things so uh in our message queue this week we heard from brabster who let us know that one of the domains that our website responds to i think it was closuredesign.com because the main site is closuredesign.club. Well, we hadn't bothered to get an SSL cert for that yet. So Chrome, of course, tells you that you're about ready to, you know, commit great, like you are in grave peril. <laughs> Someone's going to steal your your grandmother's credit cards. <laughs> yes, yes. So uh, we fixed that. So now you can go to www.closuredesign.club or closuredesign.com or www.closuredesign.com, all those things, and they work. And so thank you so much, Bradster, for reaching out and pointing us in that direction. If anybody ever runs into tech issues, yeah, hit us up on Twitter. Also, we heard from Johnny B. Good on Twitter, and he was cracking up because he said he learned a new word automagically on our podcast. Thank you. I cannot say we invented that. <laughs> but <laughs> We've I, used it a lot, though. <laughs> I, I can say that I am a sucker for automagically. <laughs> because programming, right? Like, especially side effects. Like, what what is magic except something that is an invisible force with a visible effect, right? <laughs> so that sounds an <laughs> awful lot like a side effect and an invisible force with a visible effect, right? Right. Sounds right. like the definition of magic to me. <laughs> yeah, we don't. We 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 like magic but we we tend to not like it when it's when it's when it's too magic or we don't have any control over it (laughs) yeah yes yes it's it's you're just on the edge i think of uh 
uh, Mickey and the Sorcerer's Apprentice. You know, it's like, oh, you start wielding the power and you're like, oh, this is great. And then it all starts to go wrong. And then it's like, oh, wait a minute. What have I done? (laughs) Yes. But it was uh, just so easy to reach out in the middle of the code and go do the IO right there. (laughs) 15 15 layers down in your call stack, right? (laughs) Right, right. Yes. Easy, not simple. It's a... It's a very strong concept. Go watch that talk if you haven't seen it. Um, but yes, side effects. We uh, we like side effects too. Uh, when they are one of our listeners sending us an email or yes. tweeting, uh, side effecting the internet uh, and letting us know about it would is always something we like. So uh, those if you'd are like the side to, effects we do like. Yes. <laughs> yes. If you if you'd like to side effect in our direction via your email client, um, that's feedback at closuregiant.club. Uh, or uh, via Twitter on your mobile app or on the website or wherever Twitter, tw- Twitter, Twitter, <laughs> wherever Twitter reaches you, uh, please send us a tweet at Closure Design. Hey, we're also available to work on your closure projects. So if you'd like our help, please send us an email also. Definitely. And you can find the show notes for this episode and all of the past episodes on the web at closuredesign.club. We will be back next week to talk more functional design and closure. But until then, think about this. Good data leaves nothing to the imagination. 